Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, a new report sheds light on sexual harassment and assault cases in the Minnesota National Guard, and Minnesota Twins TV broadcaster Dick Bramer has a preview of the upcoming baseball season. But first, lawmakers are getting ready for another special session of the Minnesota legislature triggered by Governor Tim Walz's extension of his COVID emergency powers. But another issue is equally volatile, police reforms in the wake of George Floyd's death and the ensuing riots. MNN's Bill Werner sets the scene for the next round at the Capitol. Scott, Republicans' hearings this week leading up to special session number two focused on damage to public and private property by protesters and by rioters and on state and local government's response to quell that unrest. Democrats all the while accused Republicans of avoiding what caused the riots, namely George Floyd's death while in police custody. In day one of their hearings, GOP lawmakers zeroed in on the toppling by demonstrators of the Christopher Columbus statue on the grounds of the state capitol, which Faribault Senator John Jasinski told the head of the state patrol, Colonel Matt Langer, has people across Minnesota very, very angry. And I'll tell you blankly, I mean, people think that a decision was made above you to stand down. Langer responded he was never given any order other than to proceed with the plan that he and his subordinates had developed. When the discussion occurred about whether we should arrest the people involved, word came back from those that were on the scene, and it was just that, Colonel, we don't think that's a good idea. I said, tell me why. They said, we can certainly arrest one or two people. We think that's going to enrage the rest of the group. East Grand Forks Senator Mark Johnson noted officials knew about that protest hours ahead of time, and he asked Langer. Why wasn't a secure perimeter put around that statute? Being so we had the, we had the warning. I think that's a fair question and fair criticism, and hindsight being 2020, maybe that's what we should have done, but I don't think it would have been without consequence. It just would have been perhaps a different consequence. Democrats asked Republicans why they're spending all this time in hearings without examining why George Floyd died. I'm actually getting really upset that we keep talking about something that's really not the core issue. The response that we should be having as a state senate is to have hearings about the core issue, about the murder, the killing. United Democrat Melissa Franzen. Hutchinson Republican Scott Newman responded that should certainly be talked about in the appropriate committee, but also... It is perfectly appropriate for the Minnesota Senate to inquire into the actions of the troopers and the Commissioner of Public Safety and the National Guard, and that is what we are doing. 5th District Democratic Congresswoman Ilhan Omar said this week the same thing is happening in Congress. The U.S. Senate, she says, is sitting on a police reform bill, and she blames Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and President Trump. I guess the president would rather attack the people who are protesting than actually address the issues people are out here protesting for. A spokeswoman for the Republican National Committee responded while Omar pandered to her socialist followers by calling for the abolishment of the police. President Trump and Senate Republicans have a record of passing meaningful criminal justice reform. Day two of hearings on the state's response to civil unrest. Senate Republicans asking, could the Twin Cities riots have been stopped sooner with possibly less destruction? If Governor Tim Walz had activated the entire Minnesota National Guard a day or two earlier than he did, Major General John Jensen responded. If we had done things differently on, on Tuesday as it relates to numbers, as it relates to tactics, 
Could we avoided some of this? Uh, my unprofessional opinion as it relates to law enforcement is yes. My professional military opinion is yes. And in a lengthy round of questioning this week, State Public Safety Commissioner John Harrington acknowledged it's fair criticism for Republican lawmakers to say that he did not recognize soon enough that violence was rapidly escalating during the Twin Cities riots. Mound Senator David Osmick told Harrington, We know that our law enforcement agencies aren't, aren't working in a vacuum. They, took, they take multiple sections of, of information and media and take that into account. This was rapidly, even from a senator who happened to be 300 miles north of here, I could see this rapidly escalating. Didn't that give you a tip-off that this was going to be something more serious than a one- or two-night event? Mr. Harrington. Mr. Chair, Senator, uh, no. I, I, in, in my initial assessment of this, I believed it was going to be a one- or two-day event. Uh, by the third day, that opinion was shifting. The complete destruction of a precinct was not something that I envisioned as being uh, on the horizon. Harrington said by the time that happened, law enforcement was significantly changing its deployment numbers and tactics. Democrats contend Republicans highlighting errors by the Walls administration are simply pandering to their law and order base while sidestepping what triggered the mass destruction in the Twin Cities. Let's get at the reason why we have the problem. It's because Derek Chavin put his, 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 his knee on George Floyd's neck. That's where this started. So if we want to start with an anti-violence and lawlessness, let's start with the Minneapolis Police Department and the unfortunate way that they've been treating black and brown people. Senator Jeff Hayden from Minneapolis. Majority Leader Paul Gazelka tweeted, Senate Republicans support police reforms like banning chokeholds and de-escalation training, but not DFL moves to defund or dismantle the police. Scott? Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch-snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, tail-wagging, backyard-hanging, and, of course, companionship. And what breed would you say Satchmo is? I'd have to go with maybe a lavish terrier-hound, chihuahua-looking kind of mix. Tremendous dog. Mm, I'd also like to point out Satchmo's coloring, a white, gray, brown, black brindle, simply marvelous. You know, it's such a treat to watch a dog like this. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. How intuitive. And now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, the happy dance, so common with this group. And finally, the loving face lick. It's great how he just gets in there and, well, licks. Fantastic. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. The Minnesota National Guard this week released results of a review of its sexual assault and harassment prevention and response programs. The review found that over the last five years, there were more than 100 reports of sexual assault in the Minnesota National Guard. I spoke with Deputy Adjutant General Sandy Best about the report and what plans there are to prevent cases like this from happening in the Guard moving forward. The report is really a first step for the Minnesota National Guard to continue efforts to eradicate sexual harassment and sexual assault from our formation. Some of the results include surveying our victims and our survivors and asking them what went well, what didn't go well, what change is necessary to make this better. 
also some of the survey results just show um, the need for a greater focus on prevention as well as the support that we provide to um, survivors and victims. And uh, if tell me if you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but according to the review of the programs here from 2014 through 2019, there were 112 reports of sexual assault, and then those are uh, sort of categorized as unrestricted and restricted. Tell me a, a little bit about what that means, and, and that number, 112 reports of sexual assault, what, what does that number mean to you? Well, first I'll start with what that number means. One report is too many, of course. But what it does mean is since the hashtag MeToo movement started several years ago, that that has drove a greater accountability and individuals stepping forward to share their stories. You mentioned the two types of ways we can file reports are restricted or unrestricted. Victims and survivors that choose to go the restricted route do not want the case investigated and do not want to share the details. They want the resources and support to get them through the aftermath of a sexual assault. That's where you saw 51 of those, or 46% of the cases, were restricted reports. The un unrestricted reports, which there was 61, 54% of the cases, that allows us to conduct a military investigation. It also allows us to report it to local law enforcement for a criminal investigation. In response to the programs, the, the Adjutant General Jensen uh, had a statement saying that the Guard must do better and that, uh, I'm, so I'm curious if you can expand upon that in terms of what does doing better constitute? Uh, well, in general, I think doing better is getting 13,000 strong standing together shoulder to shoulder against sexual harassment and sexual assault, eradicating it, not permitting it to happen. So it starts with prevention. But then it also is about the individuals um, when it does happen, because some of the individuals that report it didn't happen in the Minnesota National Guard. It might have happened in their civilian employment or in a personnel, personal setting, not by a military member. And we want the reports to happen so that the victims can get help. And that's our, probably our greatest priority is to believe our victims and get them help. With regard to the prevention side of things, what specific steps are going to be taken to try to improve prevention then moving forward? Well, one of the areas that was investigated is the training. And we know that all of our members have to be trained at a basic level. But depending on your position in the organization, you may need increased training. And that is, first of all, to be able to deal with victims and ensure that we're dealing with them properly and getting them the help they need when they report. 
but it also is a setting up, a, um, establishing a culture where it is not tolerated at all levels of the organization. And just tell me, uh, generally speaking, I mean, you mentioned uh, one report is too many, but here we have 112. Was that number surprising to you as a Guard member? Well, I'm going to start out first by saying sexual assault is a societal issue, and we are a segment of society, the military. We're We're held to high standards. We report on these numbers where other organizations and institutions are not required to. So is it an alarming number? I would say yes, but it is. Um, the same number that is like we're uh, we're on par with the rest of the military or better. Thank you to my guest, Minnesota National Guard Deputy Adjutant General Sandy Best. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Minnesota Twins are a week into their preseason summer camp at Target Field and are hoping to open the season on July 24th in Chicago against the White Sox. That will start a pandemic-delayed 60-game regular season leading into the Major League Baseball playoffs in October. Longtime and popular Twins television announcer Dick Bramer spoke with MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm about the time with no games in the anticipation of the start of a season. Well, it's been difficult, I think, uh, as it is for anybody who loves baseball, who counts on baseball, either financially or otherwise. It, it's just been uh, quite an ordeal. You know, we're, we're, I'm not conditioned to believe that uh, I wake up in the morning in June, uh, whenever, May, now into July, and I don't have a game to do. Uh, you, you do, I think, if you're around this game, if you're lucky enough to be around the game, you do get conditioned to, to programming your day, days, weeks, whatever, uh, around the game, and it simply hasn't been there. So uh, we've all had to make adjustments, but as you said, hopefully we'll have an abbreviated season starting here in just a little while. I, I don't want to get too personal, but what have you been able to do without baseball games to do in terms of what, you know, you're, you're much more free to do stuff if you like, where maybe, as you mentioned, in the month of June, you probably haven't had a lot of free time in the past. Yeah, and that's been one of the frustrations about my career, as blessed as I've been. I feel like I've, you know, missed out on a lot of time with my kids because I've been traveling so much. Well, thankfully, during this time, both kids have been around. Uh, my son is a minor league broadcaster, uh, and, and he was furloughed back in March, so he's come home. My daughter's been working from home for the ALS Association. So we've all been together, and they may give you a different answer, but it's been a real blessing for me to be able to spend all this time with my family. And uh, For a while, the walleyes were biting, and I was uh, doing okay with that. Uh, and now it's just uh, you know starting to ramp up now with the uh, uh, getting ready for a baseball season. A few days ago, Mike, I got my first haircut in like three and a half months. So we're we're gradually getting ready for a season. Indeed, indeed. What um, uh, uh, as a sidebar to that, and, I, and you mentioned it briefly. Um, a lot of people count on baseball. Um, a lot of people on your crew, behind the scenes, camera operators, producers, what have you. How important is it for them and for you just to get back to it? And as you mentioned, it's it's a livelihood. It's it's a living as well. Yeah, and that's been one of the really uh, negative parts of all of this. 
Uh, you know, there's been so much focus on the players and the negotiations and not being able to watch uh, the telecasts and all that. But within that, I mean, we've got people who, who rely on the games uh, working on our TV crew. We'll have in the neighborhood of 25 people uh, working on telecasts. Now we're going to have games, but the games are going to be produced with a skeletal crew. So some of those people will come back and get some work. Some won't. And it's, it really makes it tough for, for these people who are every bit as devoted to the game as I am, and, and they just haven't been able to uh, do any of the events. And the hope is, of course, that you know when the gopher football season rolls around, we'll have a more normal, normal world, and we'll be able to count on these sporting events being produced and put on television and radio. But you know, we don't know for sure that that's going to happen either. Yeah, and from a uh, t- standpoint of TV plans, I, I did see that um, all 60 games, uh, you know, knock on wood, let's hope they all go off and let's hope there's a postseason run and all of that, but uh, they will all be on uh, Fox Sports North, um, but there will be some challenges, right? There will be no travel for the uh, for the crews? Right, we will be doing, and I don't know whether we'll be doing all 60. There's a chance that, uh, you know, a, a bigger network might pick off a game or two along the way, but uh, all 60 games will be televised. Uh, so 30 at home, 30 on the road. And for the ones that I'll be doing, and let's say for the moment it is 60, I'll be doing all 60 games from our booth at Target Field. Uh, even if the team is in Chicago or St. Louis, uh, we'll be trying to do something none of us have ever done before, and that is to try to call a game looking only at the monitor, which, of course, is the same image that the viewer gets at home. So uh, within the, the um, resurrection of the 2020 baseball season, there will be some challenges for those of us who are, who are unaccustomed to doing what we'll be expected to do. Yeah, so you'll be basically watching a road game on TV from your booth and then uh, relaying the uh, the play-by-play into a broadcast. So when we watch it at home, it will it will uh, hopefully seem as if you're there, right? <laughs> well, that, that's the hope. Uh, you know, the, the biggest challenge, and, and you, you have more background in radio than I do, and I have more background in television, but the the, the the challenge is the, the core of the job as a TV play-by-play guy is to backfill and, and, and add uh, to what the viewer can already see. Now, there's some thought that we might have some secondary monitors that we, whoever I'm working with, the analyst and I, will be able to look at to give us you know, something that we can uh, you know, talk about. For instance, uh, okay, now the count's one and two. And from my booth, when I'm on site, uh, I can see, for instance, Byron Buxton moving three steps over to the gap in right center field. Now, the viewer at home can't see that, but I can talk about that because that's kind of what I've always thought my job is, to try to talk about uh, and discuss what the viewers can't see uh, at home, and I don't know that uh, we'll be able to do that uh, for the road games. Uh, brings up uh, kind of a, a throwback to the old, old, old days where where announcers were sitting in their studios getting the teletype of uh, of what was happening, the recre- recreation of games. I think Ronald Reagan used to do Chicago Cubs games at some station down in Iowa way back in the day, sitting in the studio waiting on the uh, the teletype to say what happened to this pitch and what happened to this at bat. Yeah, and of course that's radio now, and it would be a little bit easier, I would think, to to simulate that from a monitor than TV when, you know, basically we're all looking at the same images. The only background that I have uh, to that part of the business and the way it used to be done, 
the uh, Spanish broadcaster for the Dodgers, Jaime Harin, he's uh, in the baseball broadcasting wing, uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame broadcasting wing. He was back in Los Angeles doing that for the 1965 World Series between the Dodgers and the Twins. And so years ago when he came to Minneapolis for the uh, for interleague play, I, I picked his brain a little bit about that and uh, thought, well, that was really interesting the way that he had to do it back then, never imagining that, you know, 10 years later I'm gonna, going to have to try to do the same thing on television. Let's hope that it all goes well. Let's hope that it's all uh, that, that we get games in. Um, how about uh, your crew? Uh, obviously, Bert Blylevin has been, the, the, you know, the, the, the standard – over a number of years, and now in recent years, uh, m- m- many more recently retired players have kind of uh, funneled through, and you've done a, a, a magnificent job of uh, orchestrating uh, all those different uh, uh, guys into the booth. What, what Do you know what the plan yet is as to who will be with you on most nights or, or any of those uh, nights? Yeah, I, I've asked that on a you know semi-regular basis uh, of the people uh, who are in charge of such things with the Twins, and I haven't gotten a clear answer yet. I, I have been told that there will be a rotation. It won't be just one uh, person doing all the games. But uh, you know, those you know what we found since we knew we were going to have a season, Mike, is uh, every time you answer one question, uh, two more surface that you don't have the answers for. So hopefully, in a week or two, certainly, in uh, by the time we get started uh, with the games later this month, we hope to have a lot more answers to the question. That's Dick Bramer and Mike Grimm, part two of their conversation coming up next on Minnesota Matters. Who might you save? Your mother, your father, your husband, uncle, aunt, son. Learn fast, F-A-S-T, the sudden signs of a stroke, and you could save your friend, your best friend, teacher, boss, coach. F, face drooping, A, arm weakness, S, speech difficulty, T, time to call 911, F-A-S-T, face, arm, speech, time. That's F, face drooping, A, arm weakness, S, speech difficulty, T, time to call 911. The sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in the recovery of... Your neighbor, the waiter, a fellow shopper, a total stranger, grandmother, grandfather. So learn FAST, the sudden signs of a stroke, then pass it on, because you never know who might save you. Your wife, your colleague, teammate, mother... Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. We continue with Eminem Sports Director Mike Grimm's interview with Twins television announcer Dick Bramer, who says the 60-game shortened season will be a race to the postseason. Well, I thought going into the 2020 season, when we thought it was going to be 162 games, that the Twins had uh, one of the better uh, lineups and organizations in all of Major League Baseball. That hasn't changed just because the season uh, is going to be shorter, just 60 games. Uh, you know, the one thing that, that and people are asking, well, it's a shortened season and, and it, you know, there'll be an asterisk by it or whatever. The one thing to keep in mind is, yes, the regular season will be shortened. But for the teams that get into the playoffs, it will be, hopefully, just the standard playoff format. So if the Twins are good enough, and I certainly think they are, uh, to get into the postseason, uh, in 2020, now then the tournament uh, will have the same format, and whoever uh, survives the the, the playoff 
uh, you know, levels, uh, the different levels moving up the ladder to the World Series, uh, that, that the postseason will be legitimate if, in the minds of some, the regular season won't be as legitimate. So let's hope the Twins can get there and uh, maybe, you know, do well in the playoffs. And, and who knows, uh, maybe in addition to the delayed start of the season, uh, because of the pandemic, maybe uh, we'll have a world championship uh, to talk about uh, uh, regarding 2020 as well. I thought manager Rocco Baldelli had an interesting comment about that idea recently when he co- commented on on the idea, yes, it'll be a shortened season, but when you put in front of a team what each of these teams will have to go through, daily testing or every other day testing, uh, weird travel, just a lot of unknown social distancing in the clubhouse that really at the end of the day, if you survive all of that, if you make it through all of that, as you mentioned, make it through the standard postseason, um, if someone wants to put a star next to it, go ahead, but it should be noted what that team would have and will have gone through to get to that trophy. I'm a baseball guy, Mike, so I I, I tend to look at things from a baseball perspective. But I really think one of the keys to a team winning the World Series, and and we saw it in the upper Midwest in 87 and 1991, uh, the, the biggest trait, the best trait that a team can have is the ability to persevere. Now, persevering through a 162-game season uh, is, you know, arduous enough. But now this is going to be a shorter season, but, uh, you know, every other level, uh, the, the team that is able to persevere through all the testing, the travel issues that are going to arise, uh, the positive tests that are invariably going to uh, arise here once we uh, uh, get started here uh, in the uh, weeks of training and, and once the season starts, whoever perseveres through all of that will have earned a world championship, whoever that might be. Might be the Twins, might be the Yankees, but whoever wins the World Series at the end of all of this will be a true champion in my mind. Yeah, no question about it. And let's hope that uh, let's hope that the season it gets here and that people and I think once uh, they can kind of bubble this thing, and I know it's not going to be a true bubble because guys will be on their own at the end. But uh, you know, at the end of the night, they're, they'll go home to their own uh, homes, or they'll they'll be in the hotel on the road and what have you. So there will be some exposure. But let's hope that everybody has a, a calm, cool mind and, and and plays it safe. Well, you're going to deal with uh, you know uh, teams, but within teams, you know, however many the roster is, you know, twenty six, twenty eight, thirty. Uh, but then the you know the other personnel, the trainers, and all that. It's going to require uh, extraordinary discipline uh, for for teams to uh, not have to deal with this virus uh, any more than than uh, than would be expected. I mean, it, it, there's going to be a discipline that's going to be required, and I'm sure every manager, general manager, team captain, whatever. Uh, we'll address that with the players that, hey, we've got a job to do. It's a shortened season. Uh, we've, we've, you know, we've got to make sure that we are diligent and disciplined when we're on the road so that we don't have, uh, you know, a massive uh, infection rate within our clubhouse. Uh, you know, they're going to have 60 players that are going to be eligible to play. And the hope is, of course, that no team is going to have, you know, a big number of players quarantined because of the virus. Uh, but, you know, we, we just don't know how this is all going to play out. That's Twins television broadcaster Dick Bramer and MN Sports Director Mike Grimm. That's going to do it for us for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.